I do not know how to preach. I don't know. I don't know what to tell the people. I just know that you saved me. And when he arrived in this little place, the only thing he could do was he recited to them the whole book of Matthew. That's all he did. He didn't preach. He just recited the word of God. And today people will say, how boring. But you know what he writes there? He writes there that people got saved. You see, my friends, I can just read to you the word of God and I trust absolutely this morning that your heart will be shaken by the word of God. It says it in there. He says the word of God is living and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it cuts between bone and marrow. Listen to this. And spirit and soul. And it makes you wise according to God. And that's what I've got for you. As you remember, before I went on this nice break, we started a small series in the We Know. 38 times in the letters of John, he writes down, I write these things to you so that you may know. And eight times in the last chapter of the letter, this letters that we've been going through, eight times he writes, we know. And we are looking at the things. We asked John this morning, as he stands next to the other John, uh, you know, John stands here and I say, John, what do we know? And this morning, we want to touch on the next one. The first one we looked in is, we know that Jesus is the Christ. Do you know that? Amen. We want to continue this morning in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And this is what we know this morning, John is going to tell us. He says, we know that we have eternal life. Do you know that? How surely do you know that? You know, if I go to certain churches and you ask this question to people, they say, can I know? Or I don't know. But John is so sure. He says, this I write to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you even know what eternal life means? We're going to look into all of that. Before we get to that, look at this. Don't you like this image that I put up there? A hand that stretches out into the light. When I saw this image and when I prepared this, there's a scripture verse that came straight to my mind. And it's this verse in one, John chapter 1 verse 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Listen to this now. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And then he says, In Him was life. In Him was life. In who? In Him was life. And the life was the light of all men. You see, we come out of the darkness into the light. And that light, my dear friend, is Jesus Christ. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Praise the Lord. The light shines into the darkness. Friend, if you bring light into a dark place, the darkness can't but disappear. Darkness just disappears when you bring light in. Now let me say also, light is not the absence of darkness. No, no, light is, is in itself an essence. The source is light. In this case, Jesus Christ is our light. And then in verse 14 he says, And the word became flesh and dwelled amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. Praise the Lord. Friends, if there's only verses that you want to put to memory, put these verses to memory. It will suit and serve you well. But we want to continue now to our study this morning. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, John write down, he says, These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You see, this is important. This is what I want to highlight out. You may know that you have eternal life. Now the question is, what is eternal life? Isn't that a good question? The word there for eternal life is ainoios. 
Anoios, and that means it is something without a beginning and an end. It also means it's something without a beginning or and without an end. Praise the Lord, brother. Yes. Hallelujah. Who do you know who is without a beginning and an end? Lord God. He's without a beginning and an end. There is no birthday for God. There's no, in the 365 days of the year, one day that we can say, God, we're going to celebrate your birthday. I know you say, wait a minute, but Jesus Christ was born. Yes, that's Jesus. But I'm talking about God, Elohim. There is no birthday. He existed eternally and He will be eternally. In fact, let me just say to you, the word eternal doesn't even bring context to what I'm saying. It brings context to our minds, but not to God. He's without beginning and without end. Now here is the thing. You and I has got a birthday here, don't we? Some of us are born in August, right through from January up to December. So in a way you can say, yes, we have a beginning, don't we? But friend, it doesn't have to stay with a beginning and your tombstone end. You see, eternal life means that we change our life with an end to an existing or it's going on eternally. Think about that. And he says, this I write to you, that you may have eternal life. Eternal life. John chapter 17 verse 3, he says, and this, this is Jesus' own words in that prayer that he prays that I just read this morning at the table. He says, and this is eternal life. What? What? Jesus, he says that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is eternal life? That you may know him. Because what do you get through Jesus? Come on, you tell me. You get life. Didn't I read it before? In John chapter 1 verse 4, he says, in him was what? Life. And that life is what? Light. Life, light. And he says it right here. He says, friend, if you want eternal life, if you want to live forever, not in this body, but in God's body, in your soul continuing on, in your heavenly body continuing on, if you want that life, you can only find that life in one. He says it right there. He says the only true God and, not only one, there's two, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So let me tell you this morning, if you haven't got Jesus, you've got nothing. Jesus is a swear word for the world now. Jesus is a comedy word for the world now. They make jokes out of Him. But I'm telling you today, let your ears hear this. And let everybody who hears it through our recording, let it go to the sinner who sits there in his sin. Let it go to the mocker who sits there. Let it go to every state politician who sits there and mocks God. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And without Jesus Christ, you've got nothing. You are dead and you are doomed to an eternal hell. That is the fact, that's the truth. But these days, oh no, hell is only, you know, it's a symbol. Hell is only a word. And hey, politically correctly, you can't say hell anymore because people don't want to hear that they are lost anymore. No, 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 no. We're only sick and we give pearls for sickness. The only pearl the world needs is the gospel. Yes, that's the only pearl that will make you healthy. So what is eternal life? It is our God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It is a gift. That is what eternal life is. It is a gift that only comes through Jesus Christ. Listen, there's a lady called Oprah. You know her? She sat one day, I don't watch her, but I've heard this, I, I read this. She sat there one day and said, there's many roads that lead to Rome, so there's many roads that lead to God. You can go through this, you can... No, 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 no. There's only one road that leads to God and into eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Now listen to this. It's not me saying it. It's not any person on this earth who was born saying it. This comes from God. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, to this lady, He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. What will make you alive? Believing in him. So the world rejects him, but we believe in him. Are you? Do you? 
That, listen to me, nothing in this world matters more than what you're hearing this morning. Nothing matters more than what you're hearing this morning. Listen, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing matters more than what you're hearing this morning. What I'm giving you this morning is the words of life. It is Jesus' words. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. You say, but wait a minute, I can walk out of this place and a bus can eat me and I die. Yes, your body dies, but listen to me, with inside you is an inner man who lives on, and that is what he's talking about. You sitting right here now, your future, if you grab onto Jesus Christ. No, 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 I need to correct myself, not grab onto him. No, no, you sell yourself out to him, and he saves your soul. Now listen to this, he says, do you believe this? That's a question which you need to ask. Not only yourself, but you need to ask it to your husband, your wife, your children. Your, you need to ask them. Jesus asks it straight away. He says, do you believe this? It's something that you need to believe. You need to have your faith in that. Now the question is, how do you get eternal life? Do you think that's a good question? How do you get eternal life? Now friends, I'm touching on this. I've got so many scripture verses and, and I praise the Lord. The word of God is alive. First of all, let me give you, and this is not a formula. It's not go to step one, go to step two, go to step three. No, this is a process that the Holy Spirit starts in your life. Listen to this. The first place where you start this is you acknowledge your lost condition. Who knows that God hates sin? He hates it. And the first place that you and I come to, listen, I hear so many testimonies, but nowhere in those testimonies is there ever that they say, I came to a position that I realized I'm lost. I'm a rotten sinner. I've got filthy garments in Romans chapter 3.23. He says, for all I've sinned. Can everybody say all? What does all mean? It means all. Inclusive. He says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is the perfect place, friends. And now he says in Isaiah 53 verse 6, he says, We all, we like sheep, bear like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Open up your newspapers this morning and you'll see the whole People of the world has gone after their own ways. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all on him. On whom did he lay the iniquity? On Jesus Christ. But you and I, we've gone astray. David calls it out in the Psalms. David says, as soon as I were born, I went speaking lies. So the first step of getting eternal life is you acknowledge your lost condition and then you believe the gospel. And by the way, the Holy Spirit prompts you for this. This is not something you sit down and all of a sudden one day you decide, oh, let's give it a go. Let's just try this. You know, do try. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit prompts you as you sit under the preaching of the word, as you sit under maybe listening a song, a, a, a gospel song, as some, maybe you're a testimony, maybe somebody in your family serves to God every single day, and, and it convicts you. Conviction starts from the Holy Spirit, and you acknowledge your lost condition, and then you believe the gospel. In Acts chapter 16, verse 30, when they went to that centurion and brought them out, this is he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must must I do to be saved? What must I do? And they said, listen to this now, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Did he say do good works? Did he say try to be a better person? Did he say help people along or give all of your things away? Did he say any of that? No, no, what did he say? Believe. Look at this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on Him and thou shalt be safe. You and your household. Look, listen to me, friend. The best thing that you can do, dad, mom, is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and your whole household will be saved. John chapter 3 verse 36. 
He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. We're talking about eternal life here, friends. And, and this is what John writes down. He says, these things, these things that I'm talking to you today, I've written to you so that you may know this. You may know that you have eternal life. This is one of the most important things that you need to know in your life. Not where your bread's going to come from tomorrow, where your next job is going to come from tomorrow, where your next house is going to be, where your next car is going to be, where your next this, this, this. None of that. Your most important thing that you need to know is that you have eternal life. That's what I'm talking about today. And here, the word backs up what I'm saying. He says, He that believe on the Son of God has everlasting life. He has it. It's not maybe or perhaps. And then he says, And he that believe not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. I want you to see the gravity of this verse. It's not just a, a flippant verse that goes through. There is two parts of this verse. The first one is, you can have eternal life, or otherwise the wrath of God abides on him. Do you know the wrath of God? No, you don't. I'm honestly telling you, you haven't seen the wrath of God at all in your life. You say, but I'm struggling, I'm, I'm under pressure, I've got this pain in my body. All it feels like hell to me, and this is how people use that word, hell, so easy. You don't know hell because you haven't been there if you live on this earth while you still breathe, my friend. But here we talk about the wrath of God. The only one, listen to me, the only one who can carry that wrath from you and give you eternal life is our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because He went into the Garden of Gethsemane and He prayed that prayer. He says, Father, this cup, the cup of wrath. What did He do? He drank off of that cup of wrath on your and my behalf. How wonderful and powerful is the Word of God. How do we get eternal life? You believe the gospel. And then you confess your sin. You confess your sin. Listen, you don't confess your sin to man. You don't go to the Pope and pay him some money to get your sins confessed or to other people. You go to God because you sinned against God. Oh, you might have done other people wrong in your sinning and there's restitution that needs to take place. But friend, if you sin, you sin against one and it's God. The only one who can give you eternal life is God, not your friends. You confess your sin. Romans chapter 10 verse 10, he says, With the heart one believes unto righteousness. Who knows what righteousness means? It means to live a life acceptable to God. Your heart, you believe, and you start living that life acceptable to God. Not acceptable to you. Listen, my friend, your standard of acceptability falls so much short. Your standard of acceptability falls short to society. Yes? Have you heard that before? Because if you come to society's acceptability, it's so high. You say, that's my standard. Somebody else will come and say, I've got a bigger standard than you. And you've got to work up to that other standard. You can't even live, in, live up to society. Society's even better than you. But the one standard that you can get is God's standard through His Son, Jesus Christ. To live a life acceptable to him and with the mouth confession is made unto what come on I want you to say it Amen. how do we confess with our mouths oh Lord I accept I'm a rotten sinner you know the world don't want to say that the message of the world the Bible of the world says you're good in yourself you'll come to something good it's not the way you begin, it's the way you end, man. Just, you know, positive words. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'll be better, I'll be better, I'll be better, I'll be better. Doesn't work that way. No, no. We are mouth confess, we come to the Lord in humility and we say, Lord, I'm a sinner, I repent. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, what happens? What happened if you confess your sin? It's so wonderful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Who is the He? It's God. The only one who can forgive you your sins is God. Forget these people who stand over crowds with their hands up and say, Your sins are you forgiven. Who do they think they are? Who do they think they are? He is the one who forgives them their sins. Instantaneously to forgive you your sins. And listen to this. Sins past, 
sin's presence, sin's future. People are okay with sin's past. I've come across a lot of people, they say, my sins are my forgiven, I'm free. Ooh, I'm like a bird. But they struggle to think about that He forgive you present sins as well. And your future sins. That's a different message. And now he says on there, he says, and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Down there, if you can see it. You see, it is the unrighteousness against righteousness. So how do we get eternal life? We acknowledge our lost condition. We believe in the gospel. We confess our sins. And then we repent of our sins. It's not, it's not good enough just to say, Lord, yes, I've done that wrong. No, no, you need to repent of that now. You say, Lord, please forgive me. Forgive me for I have sinned. And then Luke chapter 13 verse 3 says, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall have all likewise perish. You confess and you repent. Isaiah 55 verse 7, let the wicked forsake his ways. Look at this. He don't just say, confess about it. You, you know what confess means? Confess, acknowledge you're a sinner. Repenting and say, Lord, I won't do it again. Shall I say that again? Just to clarify for you. If you confess your sin, say, Lord, I acknowledge that. I am a sinner. I can see it now. I see through your eyes that what I've been doing and I think it's right, it's wrong because the Word says it's wrong. The Holy Spirit convicts me and it is wrong. I confess it to you. I repent it now. Repent means I'm going to turn away from it and walk away and not do it again. This is what it says in Isaiah. Let the wicked forsake his ways. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. You see, there's two parts of this again. One is the action. And the thoughts. Jesus comes and he says, you've heard what it said. You shall not lust after another's wife. What happens? He says, even if you think about it now, I'm putting it further now in your thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will give mercy upon him. And our Lord, for he will abundantly pardon. And then, and then, you see, we acknowledge our lost condition. We believe the gospel. We confess our sin. We repent. And then we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. You receive Him as your Savior. And again, I say you've got nothing if you've received nothing, yes? You need to receive Him and say, Lord, I receive You as my Savior. Well, John chapter 1 verse 12, As many as received Him to them, He gave the power to become what? The sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. You can shout hallelujah if you want to. How wonderful is that? Transferred from this life into another life. And then my friends, you confess the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the second part of the sermon. You confess. What do you call confess? The Lord Jesus Christ. Testimony. He says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth who? The Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe in the resurrection? He says you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now the question this morning is, is eternal life important? Is that a good question? What would you answer? Yes, of course. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Is it important? And what is the gravity and the seriousness of having this eternal life? Let's have a look. John chapter 3 verse 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. He who believes has eternal life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But... The wrath of God abides on him. The wrath of God abides on him. So is it important to have eternal life? What will you miss if you have eternal life? Come on, the answer is right there. You will miss the wrath of God. Who wants to get the wrath of God upon their lives? Friend, you don't know what you're talking about. No, no, no. The Bible says in, in, in the book of Revelation, He says, Do not fear him who can take this life, but fear him who can take the second life. Did you know that you have one birth physically, but you can die twice? You can die physically and spiritually. 
That's why you need two births. You need your natural birth and your spiritual birth. You need to be born again so that you can live forever and only die once. Think about that one. John chapter 5, 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has what? It's Jesus' own word. Jesus speaks here, by the way. It's not John Shipman. It's not a pastor. It's no, no influential person. This is God with us, the Messiah. Emmanuel. He says the following words. He says, I say to you that he who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment that has passed from death to life. Is eternal life important, my friends? Absolutely. It is important. So this is what John writes down. He says, these things I've written to you that you believe in the name of the Son of God. The question now quickly is, what things is he talking about that he's written down? What things is it? In 1 John chapter 5 verse 10, and I'm just going to go a little bit back now to that verse. Because it's the whole gospel that is written. It's all of the letters. It's all of the gospels. It's all of the letters of, of Paul that he wrote down. That you can put in that basket. But for him now, when he wrote to this church, this beloved pastor wrote to this church. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 10 he writes the following. He says, He who believes in the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony. What? That God has given us eternal life. Hallelujah. And this life is in His Son. Remember in 1 John when I started off? He who has the Son has life and he do not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's just go a little bit deeper, okay? Have I got your permission? I was going to do it anyway. Let's go a little bit deeper in. Because I want you to... He says, these things I've written to you so that you may know. What things then? Let, let's have a look at this. 1 John chapter 5 verse 10. He that believe on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. What is he saying? Have you ever sat down and, and tried to just break it apart like bread? Who loves warm bread? It's baked in the baker and you smell it a distance from it. What do you want to do? You wouldn't want to get in there with your fingers and rip it open. Take some nice butter. Put it on there. I know what people's going to have for lunch. <laughs> well, if you don't have a baker, you can put it in a microwave, same effects. It's okay. But the butter melts into it. Can you smell it? This is now that hot bread I'm bringing here. Let's break it open. He says, He that believe on the Son of God, the belief there comes from the word pistaio. Pistaio. Now, I want you to look at this carefully. He said, The meaning here in Greek is to put your trust into something. This means an absolute confidence. Absolute. There ain't no doubt in your mind. Absolutely. You put all of your trust into something. There is a object. Now let's take the chair this morning that you came in. You looked at this chair. And what did you do? You investigated the chair. You came in. You put your hand on it. You saw it was sturdy. You pushed it. You picked it up, you looked under it, you see if all the bolts were there. And then you put it down. And then you did something, the Greeks say, pistaio. You went with your body and you sit on the front end, you put pressure on your legs, not all your weight. Then you're a little bit harder, then, and then finally you sit on it. Is that what you did? No, I know you didn't do it because you come here every Sunday. <laughs> But here is the key for me around that. Whether you like it or not, now that you're familiar, it's going to hold your weight. You put your trust in it, isn't it? Your absolute trust. And now, see this now. See this now. Okay? When you walk, it takes effort. When you stand, it takes effort. When you sit, you're at rest. You're at rest where you're sitting there now. Why? Because you've put your absolute trust into what you are sitting on. That puts you at rest. Keep that in your mind. Okay? That's the key of this verse. Because now we look at the subject or the object of this verse. The question here is, 
He that believe on what? And the answer is the Son of God. You see that? Now I in my world will not compare God to a chair, but this is just in this, what I want to explain to you. Look at this now. This, the title Son of God here affirms the deity of Christ. Remember we had the Son of Man, which means He reaches out from earth to heaven. He makes that contact. But here now we have the Son of God who reaches out from heaven down. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 17, you remember that when Jesus Christ came in to be baptized at Betabara, John the Baptist was there, Jesus came in and he baptized him and what happened immediately? What happened? The heavens are, first of all, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and rested upon him and the heavens tore open and a voice came out. What did he say? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Was that loud? Think how loud it was that day. Think how powerful it was that day. An affirmation from heaven that this is God's Son. The Son of God. The Deity. Now when we take that word, it says Son, and then it uses the word God there. And when you look at the Greek for God, it comes from the word Theos. Theos. And the meaning of that is a divine magistrate. Divine magistrate. Do you know what a magistrate is? He's got the final word, isn't it? If you stand before the magistrate and you plead your case to him, what can, what can he do? He's got his gaffel and he goes, bang, guilty. What happens then? Penalty. He goes, bang, not guilty. What happens then? You are set free. This is what we're talking about here. So now, let's put the two together. He says to put your absolute trust and confidence in the Son of God. Now let me ask you, can you see the Son of God right now? He's not physically here. So we are tapping into faith now. That's what that word believe is. You put your, now listen to this, what did I say when you sit on the chair? Are you at rest now? Yes, because you're sitting you're kicking back. You can do whatever you can do on the chair. You can, you can push it a little bit further back. Not your father, because then you're going to show me you're sleeping. But then, then you kick back. Some people can do whatever. You're at rest. Look at this now, friends. He says here that we put your absolute confidence in the Son of God. Now, what does the Son of God give you? Absolute rest. Rest. In turmoil and everything, He gives you rest. How powerful is the Word of God? See how deep it goes? Now, the third part of this verse is really interesting for me as well. You see, when He talks about Theos here, and the Divine Magistrate, that word Theos means the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Think of that. The Son of the Father, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the third part, which really is interesting he says that you believe on god hath the witness in himself what is he talking about he says that if you and everybody shake their heads this morning they say i i believe that he says that you have the witness in yourself in himself the word there in greek for witness is marturia it it means a witness uh, if you want to push it a little bit further my friends it it means that you are testifying so listen to this now, before I go on to the prophets. He says there, you have within you the witness. Another word for witness is testifying. In other words, that if you believe in this, you have inside of you the testimony of God. Is that making sense? You and I are walking around as children of God in the world lane as a testimony. Inside of you dwelleth the testimony of God. The witness is in you. This is what needs to come over your lips. is the testimony of God. See how, how wonderful it is when he says these things I've written to you. He's written this before he wrote that down. He says I want you to understand that you put your absolute confidence in the Son of God. You rest in them. And once you rest in Him, you've got a testimony to tell the world. You've got a testimony to live out to the world. 
Now this happens in two places. The prophets in the Old Testament, that was applied to them. And it also applies what you say before the judge. That's the testimony you have. Judge, this is my testimony. And he goes, guilty or unguilty? Not guilty. So we walk into the world with this testimony. Quickly, let me touch on a few things about this. What do you do with this testimony that's inside of you? Not everybody at the same time, please. What do you do with this testimony that's inside of you? You see, some people put it under a rock, they hide it. You've got life in you, you've got Jesus Christ, you've got His death, His resurrection, you've got it in you, you have life. What are you doing with it? What do we have to do with it? Let's have a look what the word says. Mark 5, 19. He says, go to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how He has compassion on you. Go and tell. Isn't it wonderful? That's what you said this morning, my brother. Go and tell. To whom? To your friends. Go and tell your friends. Oh, but you don't know my friends. If I'm going to start telling them about Jesus, they're going to laugh at me. They're going to scoff at me. They're going to... Yeah, that's right. They might. And they will. But shall I rewind now and go back to when I showed you how we get eternal life? What did I say? What draw them? Is it you? No. You're not the main player in all of this. You're only a vessel. So yes, maybe you come up to your friends and you testify to them and they laugh and they scoff at you. But you have planted a seed. Hallelujah. And one day is one day that that seed is going to germinate. You know what it means? It's going to start and somebody else is going to come and it waters it. The Bible talks about this. And somebody else is going to water it and the Holy Spirit is going to water it. And at the right time, at the right place, that seed's going to come up. But they laughed at me. They, they don't want to be my friends anymore. That's a small price for you to pay for them to have eternal life. Oh, they persecute me now. That's a small price for you to pay for them to have eternal life because you've got it. What do you worry about being persecuted here on earth for a short while where you're going to live forever? Are you short-sighted or can you see the future? Oh, where are you going with that? I'm going what the Bible says. What do we do with this testimony, friends? In Mark chapter 5, Jesus says, Go to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. What is done for you. Psalm 22, 22. I will declare your name to my brethren. To my brethren. In the midst of the assembly I will praise you. Psalm 66, 16. Come and hear all you fear God. And I will declare to you what is done for my soul. That is testimony. What happens to the church when you testify? Have you thought about that? Or did you think you just come here to church to receive the whole time? No. Your life testify about it. What happens to the church? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to 11. Therefore comfort each other, edify one another, just as you also are doing. I love it to come here on Sundays and see you all. I love it, Glenn, when you come up to me and you shake my hand and how are you doing? I love it, Lydia, when you come here. And every one of you, you know what you do? You edify me. You, you comfort me. And I want to comfort and edify you. That's the testimony that we carry in our bodies. Because what's the opposite of this? Oh, I don't like that guy. I don't like his face, you know. Everything's good, but just his face. There's nobody like that in this church. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us stir it up. That's what the testimony is doing in us for the church. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves. Listen, did you know that forsaking the assembly, coming to church on Sundays, what are you doing? Is it just to come and show your face? No, you are stirring up love. People love to see you. People love to be around you. But you might be the one who says, I don't want to love to be around people, which puts a big question mark in my mind, because you need to come and love the children of God. He says, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, exhorting, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. That's also what you get. Yes? The testimony of God in you will warn others who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient to all. Now quickly, what happens to the world when, they, when you live a life of testimony? 
What happens to the world? And now I've showed you in the church. But did you know you have an effect on the world as well? Not you, it's that testimony inside of you. You thought, that you, oh, I'm so great, look at me, man. Ooh. No, it's not you. It's the testimony that lives inside of you. You've got an awesome responsibility. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Friends, I'm hurrying up because I'm running out of time, but each one of these things, I can tell you more about that. I can preach for you for an hour about that very first part. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What is your conduct? That is your getting up in the morning in front of your family. How you treat your family. When you come out of your room, are you today in a moody mood? Or are they sitting outside and I wonder how mom or dad's going to be today? This is conduct I'm talking about. Are you going to work? You know, if I go to your work colleagues, are they sitting there? I wonder how he's going to be today. What upset him? This is talking about conduct. You know, I could preach a whole sermon on that. But here, let's just keep what Paul says. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. In other words, slash the testimony that you are carrying inside of you that John was talking about. He says, put your belief in the Son of God which is the witness inside of you. This is what he's talking about. All comes together. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. What is Paul saying? He says, live a life which people talk good about you. That you stand fast in one spirit and one mind, striving together in the faith. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city that's sent on the hill cannot be hidden, nor the light lamp that put under a basket or a lampstand that's under the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. You don't have to go to your workplace and preach the gospel to them in words. You can go to your workplace and let that testimony which is inside of you manifest itself out in situations that they go and say, Wow, see how he reacted when that came upon him. Or, or how she reacted. You didn't get upset. People will come to you and they say, What's inside of you? What's going on here? You are so calm. Why are you so calm? Well, have you got time? Let me tell you. Can I tell you who's living inside of me? Can I tell you about the testimony that's inside of me? Oh, I know what you're going to say. Oh, they're going to say, there they go. You know, they're going to mock me and they're going to expel me and they're going to all of... Can I go on my rant again? You only have to live with that for a short time for them to have eternal life. Think about that. It's about souls here. Now, let me give you one more. How can I testify when I suffer? That's a good one, isn't it? That's a good one. When I suffer. Oh Lord, I've got this knee. I can't live with that pain. Story. How can I testify if I've got this? How? How do you want me to do that? Did you know the Bible is clear on that as well? Yes, it is. In Luke chapter 21 verse 12. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before the kings and rulers of my name's sake. For my name's sake. But in turn... It will turn out for you as an occasion for what? <laughs> Hallelujah. So I say I rest my case. Slash. They don't they, have they brought you have they brought you before the synagogues and the prisons? He was talking to Jewsy, obviously. Have you sat in, in, in the prison yet for the gospel of God? Anyone in this place? Anyone? So you might sit there and say, well, this verse is not applicable to me. Okay, let me replace that because it's not a nice thing to happen to you when they persecute you and bring you before the synagogue and throw stones at you and put you in prison. It's not a nice thing to happen to you. Put in that position any bad thing in life that happens to you personally. That you can say, I cannot worship God because this thing happened in my life. Put it in that place. God only allowed it in your life so that you can testify. That is a sobering thought, isn't it? Nothing will happen to the child of God until God allows it. You will be in your troubles as long as God allows it. Not a day longer, not a day shorter. You will sit in prison until the day God says He's out of prison. 
That's in your struggles, that's in your pains, that's in everything you're going through. God holds the key in His time. Philippians 1 verse 12, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of what? The gospel. I just want to hurry on to verse 12. 1 John chapter 5 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Friends, this is the most important part of this sermon this morning. John says, I've written these things to you so that you may know that if you believe you have eternal life. This is the key verse there, verse 12. He who has the Son. John's confidence is so impressive, my friends. He wants us to know that we have eternal life. I'm impressed by his confidence here. We can only know this. If our salvation rests in Jesus Christ. That's why I went back to that verse which says we rest in God. Can you see now? That's why I started with that verse. We rest in Him. And we know that it does not depend on our performance. It's not how we perform that gives us the rest. It's Him alone. If it depends on me, man, help me Lord. Then on a good day... I'm saved. And on a bad day, not. He didn't save us like that, did he? He saved us for good and bad days. But if it rests on me, that's how I operate. But if it rests on him in good and bad, I may know. That's what he's talking about. I may know. And it's the same, you know, when we look at this verse when we started out, it's the same what he writes in the Gospel in John 20, 30. He says, And truly Jesus did many signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing that you may have life in His name. John knows what he was saying. And like I say again, I am superly impressed with what he's saying. Friends, I'm asking you before I pray. I want to show you two verses, and I want you to sit here this morning. If you at any stage do not have, haven't come to the cross, do not have eternal life, I highly suggest to you to come to the cross and to bow. Revelation 22 verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride says, Come, come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirst come. Whoever desire, let him take the water of life freely. <coughs> And then, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, Come now. See there's a verse there which says, Come now. Don't put it away. Don't this. Come now. And let us reason together. Let us reason, God says. Though your sins were like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are like red, like crimson, they shall be as wool. When I read through that book, (coughs) which, which Paulson gave to me, when I read through that, there's one thing out of that whole book. That really was laying on me. That man just wanted to see souls saved. I sat and I sat there and I said, Lord, burn on me the urgency to preach your gospel. This is nothing. Nothing. You can take your jacket and try to preserve it. It will, age will get to it. Moth will get to it. Your riches, your life. I want to preserve my life. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to do exercise. I'm going to live extra 10, 15, 20 years. So what? What have you achieved? News today, black ink on white paper. In 20 years, it's yellow paper. And you can scarcely read the words. It vanishes. Vanity. So what? Oh, I've got to set myself up, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm so worried about where I'm going to be when I'm old. And, 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 and. Rest in Him. Rest in Him. Come to the Son of God. Put your faith in Him, your absolute, absolute faith in Him. Rest in Him. And you will carry His witness inside of you. The only one thing that time will not destroy is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ in him. Who's got one of your flyers?
I want to read this to you as a, as a closure. It's in your file. I put it in there because it really impressed me. Eternal life on the back page. Thinking of the fullness and the duration of this wonderful life. W.B. Hinson. I don't know the man. A great preacher of a past generation spoke from his own experience just before he died. He said, I remember a year ago when a doctor told me, you have an illness from which you won't recover. Friends, let's talk real here. This what I'm reading about can happen to you tomorrow. You're only as healthy as your last visit to the doctor. Now the doctor comes to you and he says, my friend, I've got terrible news for you. Terrible news. You've got this illness you won't recover. No medicine we give you will help you. This is what this man got. Two ways you can do now. You can walk out of there and absolutely be devastated. Absolutely be rocked to. Or you can do what this man did. He says, you, which you won't recover. I walked out of there. I lived five miles from Portland, Oregon. And I looked across that mountain that I love. I looked at the river which I rejoice. And I looked at the stately trees that are always God's own poetry to my soul. Then in the evening, I looked up into the great sky where God was lighting His lamps. Beautiful stars. And I said, I may not see you many more times, but mountains, I shall be alive when you are gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm talking about eternal life here, friends. And river, I shall be alive when you cease running towards the sea. We see a lot of that happening in Australia now, don't we? And stars... I shall be alive when you have fallen from your sockets in the great downpulling of this material universe. That's a man. That's a man who has put his absolute confidence and trust in the Son of God. That's a man who carries within him the witness of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your wonderful word. And Father, I want to declare this morning in front of these people, I do not want to preach anything but your word. Father, I don't care what people think, whether they come or go, I will preach your word, Father. Verse by verse, through it, as you lead it upon our hearts. Because truly, Father, I can testify this morning that your word and the gospel is powerful. And it's good, Father, to save souls. Help us, Lord, to have stamped on your foreheads the stamp of eternal life. Into your hearts, Lord, the stamp of righteous living. Into your minds, Lord, the thought and the trust in eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for every person here this morning. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. I sense in my spirit, Lord, that your spirit worked in this place this morning. And I thank you for that. Without your spirit, this is only noise. Without your spirit, this is only words. It's ranting and raving. But Father, with your spirit, this is seeds.